Part One, Chapter Fifteen, of Jezebel's Daughter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sandra Estenson. Jezebel's Daughter by Wilkie Collins, Part One, Chapter Fifteen. From these reflections, I was roused by the appearance of a waiter with a letter for me. The envelope contained a slip cut from a German newspaper, and these lines of writing, signed by Frau Meyer. You are either a very just or a very obstinate young man. In either case, it will do you no harm to read what I enclose. I am not such a scandal-mongering old woman as you seem to think. The concealment of the names will not puzzle you. Please return the slip. It belongs to our excellent host, and forms part of his collection of literary curiosities. Such was the introduction to my reading. I translate it from the German newspaper into English, as literally as I can. The editor's few prefatory words were at the top of the column, bearing the date of September 1828. We have received, in strictest confidence, extracts from letters written by a lady to a once-beloved female friend. The extracts are dated and numbered, and are literally presented in this column, excepting the obviously necessary precaution of suppressing names, places, and days of the month taken in connection with a certain inquiry which is just now occupying the public mind, these fragments may throw some faint glimmer of light on events which are at present involved in darkness. Number 1. 1809 Yes, dearest Julie, I have run the grand risk. Only yesterday I was married to Dr. The people at the church were our only witnesses. My father declares that I have degraded his noble blood by marrying a medical man. He forbade my mother to attend the ceremony. Poor simple soul! She asked me if I loved my young doctor, and was quite satisfied when I said yes. As for my father's objections, my husband is a man of high promise in his profession. In his country, I think I told you in my last letter that he was a Frenchman. A famous physician is ennobled by the state. I shall leave no stone unturned, my dear, to push my husband forward, and when he is made a baron, we shall see what my father will say to us then. Number 2. 1810. We have removed, my Julie, to this detestably dull old German town for no earthly reason but that the university is famous as a medical school. My husband informs me, in his sweetest manner, that he will hesitate at no sacrifice of our ordinary comforts to increase his professional knowledge. If you could see how the ladies dress in this lost hole of a place, if you could hear the twaddle they talk, you would pity me. I have but one consolation, a lovely baby, Julie, a girl, I had almost said an angel. Were you as fond of your first child? I wonder, as I am of mine. 
and did you utterly forget your husband while the little darling was first put into your arms write and tell me number three eighteen eleven i have hardly patience to take up my pen but i shall do something desperate if i don't relieve my overburdened mind in some way after i wrote to you last year i succeeded in getting my husband away from the detestable university but he persisted in hanging about germany and conferring with mouldy old doctors whom he calls princes of science instead of returning to paris taking a handsome house and making his way to the top of the tree with my help i am the very woman to give brilliant parties and to push my husband's interests with powerful people of all degrees no i really must not dwell on it when i think of what has happened since it will drive me mad six weeks ago a sort of medical congress was announced to be at the university something in the proposed discussion was to be made the subject of a prize essay the doctor's professional interest in this matter decided him on trying for the prize and the result is our return to the hateful old town and its society of course my husband resumes his professional studies of course i am thrown once more among the dowdy gossiping women but that is far from being the worst of it among the people in the school of chemistry here there is a new man who entered the university shortly after we left it last year this devil it is the only right word for him has bewitched my weak husband and for all i can see to the contrary has ruined our prospects in life he is a hungarian small dirty lean as a skeleton with hands like claws eyes like a wild beast's and the most hideously false smile that you ever saw in a human face what his history is nobody knows the people at the medical school call him the most extraordinary experimental chemist living his ideas astonish the professors themselves the students have named him the new paracelsus i ventured to ask him one day if he believed he could make gold he looked at me with his frightful grin and said yes and diamonds too with time and money to help me he not only believes in the philosopher's stone he said he is on the trace of some explosive compound so terrifically destructive in its effect that it will make war impossible he declares that he will annihilate time and space by means of electricity and that he will develop steam as a motive power until travelers can rush over a whole habitable globe at the rate of a mile in a minute why do i trouble you with these ravings my dear this boastful adventurer has made himself master of my husband has talked him out of his senses has reduced my influence over him to nothing do you think i am exaggerating hear how it has ended my husband absolutely refuses to leave this place he cares no longer even to try for the prize the idea of medical practice has become distasteful to him and he has decided on devoting his life to discovery in chemical science 
and this is the man whom i married with the sincerest belief in the brilliant social career that was before him for this contemptible creature i have sacrificed my position in the world and alienated my father from me for ever i may look forward to being the wife of a poor professor who shows experiments to stupid labs in a school and the friends in paris who to my certain knowledge are now waiting to give him introductions to the imperial court itself may transfer their services to some other man no words can tell you what i feel at this complete collapse of all my hopes and plans the one consideration of my child is all that restrains me from leaving my husband never to see him again as it is i must live a life of deceit and feign respect and regard for a man whom i despise with my whole heart power oh if i had the power to make the fury that consumes me felt the curse of our sex is its helplessness every day julie the conviction grows on me that i shall end badly who among us knows the capacity for wickedness that lies dormant in our natures until the fatal event comes and calls it forth no i am letting you see too much of my tortured soul let me close my letter and play with my child number four eighteen twelve my heartfelt congratulations dearest on your return to germany after your pleasant visit to the united states and more congratulations yet on the large addition to your income due to your husband's intelligence and spirit of enterprise on american ground ah you have married a man happy woman i am married to a machine why have i left your kind letters from america without reply my julie i have constantly thought of you but the life i lead is slowly crushing my energies over and over again i have taken up my pen and over and over again i have laid it aside recoiling from the thought of myself and my existence too miserable perhaps too proud to tell you what a wretched creature i am and what thoughts come to me sometimes in the wakeful hours of the night after this confession you wonder perhaps why i write to you now i really believe it is because i have been threatened with legal proceedings by my creditors and have just come victoriously out of a hard struggle to appease them for the time this little fight has roused me from my apathy it has rallied my spirits and made me feel like my old self again i am no longer content with silently loving my dearest friend i open my heart and write to her oh dear how sad that she should be in debt i can hear you say this and sigh to yourself you who have never known what it is to be in want of money since you were born shall i tell you what my husband earns at the university no i feel the blood rushing into my face at the bare idea of revealing it let me do the professor justice my animated mummy has reached the height of his ambition at last he is professor of chemistry and is perfectly happy for the rest of his life my dear he is as lean and almost as dirty as the wretch who first perverted him 
do you remember my once writing to you about a mysterious hungarian whom we found in the university a few years since this man died by suicide as mysteriously as he had lived they found him in the laboratory with a strange inscription traced in chalk on the wall by which he lay dead these were the words after giving it a fair trial i find that life is not worth living for i have decided to destroy myself with a poison of my own discovery my chemical papers and preparations are hereby bequeathed to my friend dr blank and my body is presented as a free gift to the anatomy school let a committee of surgeons and analysts examine my remains i defy them to discover a trace of the drug that has killed me and they did try julie and discovered nothing i wonder whether the suicide has left the receipt for that poison among his other precious legacies to his friend dr blank why do i trouble you with these nauseous details because they are in no small degree answerable for my debts my husband devotes all his leisure hours to continuing the detestable experiments begun by the hungarian and my yearly dress money for myself and my child has been reduced one-half to pay the chemical expenses ought i in this hard case to have diminished my expenditure to the level of my reduced income if you say yes i answer that human endurance has its limits i can support the martyrdom of my life the loss of my dearest illusions and hopes the mean enmity of our neighbors the foul-mouthed jealousy of the women and more than all the exasperating patience of a husband who never resents the hardest things i can say to him and who persists in loving and admiring me as if we were only married last week but i cannot see my child in a stuff frock on promenade days in the palace gardens when other people's children are wearing silk and plain as my own dress may be i must and will have the best material that is made when the wife of the military commandant a woman sprung from the people goes out in an indian shawl with brussels lace in her bonnet am i to meet her and return her bow in a camelot cloak and a beaver hat no when i lose my self-respect let me lose my life too my husband may sink as low as he pleases i always have stood above him and i always will and so i am in debt and my creditors threaten me what does it matter i have pacified them for the time with some small installments of money and a large expenditure of smiles i wish you could see my darling little minna she is the loveliest and sweetest child in the world my pride at all times and my salvation in my desperate moods there are moments when i feel inclined to set fire to the hateful university and destroy all the mouldy old creatures who inhabit it i take minna out 
and buy her a little present and see her eyes sparkle and her color rise and feel her innocent kisses and become for a while quite a good woman again yesterday her father no i shall work myself up into a fury if i tell you about it let me only say that minna saved me as usual i took her to the jeweller's and bought her a pair of pearl earrings if you could have heard her if you could have seen her when the little angel first looked at herself in the glass i wonder when i shall pay for the earrings ah julie if i only had such an income as yours i would make my power felt in this place the insolent women should fawn on me and fear me i would have my own house and establishment in the country to purify me after the atmosphere of the professor's drugs i would well well never mind what else i would have talking of power have you read the account of the execution last year of that wonderful criminal anna maria zwanziger wherever she went the path of this terrific woman is strewed with the dead whom she has poisoned she appears to have lived to destroy her fellow-creatures and to have met her doom with the most undaunted courage what a career and what an end footnote the terrible career of anna maria zanziger sentenced to death at bamberg in the year eighteen eleven will be found related in lady duff gordon's translation of furbach's criminal trials the foolish people in Wurzburg are at a loss to find motives for some of the murders she committed and try to get out of the difficulty by declaring that she must have been a homicidal maniac that is not my explanation i can understand the murderess becoming morally intoxicated with the sense of her own tremendous power a mere human creature only a woman julie armed with the means of secretly dealing death with her wherever she goes meeting with strangers who displease her looking at them quietly and saying to herself i doom you to die before you are a day older is there no explanation here of some of zanziger's poisonings which are incomprehensible to commonplace minds i put this view in talking of the trial to the military commandant a few days since his vulgar wife answered me before he could speak madame fontaine said this spitfire my husband and i don't feel your sympathy with poisoners take that as a specimen of the ladies of Wurzburg, and let me close this unmercifully long letter i think you will acknowledge my dear that when i do write i place a flattering trust in my friend's patient remembrance of me there the newspaper extracts came to an end as a picture of a perverted mind struggling between good and evil and slowly losing ground under the stealthy influence of temptation the letters certainly possessed a melancholy interest for any thoughtful reader but not being a spiteful woman i failed to see in these extracts 
the connection which frau meyer had attempted to establish between the wickedness of madame fontaine and the disappearance of her husband's medicine chest at the same time i must acknowledge that a vague impression of distrust was left on my mind by what i had read i felt a certain sense of embarrassment at the prospect of renewing my relations with the widow on my return to frankfort and i was also conscious of a decided increase of anxiety to hear what had been mr keller's reception of madame fontaine's letter add to this that my brotherly interest in minna was sensibly strengthened and the effect on me of the extracts in the newspaper is truly stated so far as i can remember it at this distant time on the evening of the next day i was back again at frankfort end of chapter fifteen recording by sandra estenson